Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode of No Place Like Home is being brought to you by the Sierra Club, which encourages you to get out there and explore, enjoy, and protect the planet. Join our 3 million members and supporters working to power the nation with 100% clean energy at sierraclub.org. And now on to this episode of No Place Like Home. Hi, I'm Mary Ann Hitt. And I'm Anna Jane Joyner. This is No Place Like Home, a show that gets to the heart of climate change. Today, Anna Jane and I have a big announcement that we are so excited about. We're launching a new series. It's called How Then Shall We Live? And we're going to be exploring this big question. Do our personal choices matter? On one hand, that's the thing that we have the most control over. And on the other hand, we know that our personal individual choices actually don't move the needle on the scale that we need to for our climate. So we want to dive in and explore that tension together. And we're tackling a super difficult topic first, having kids or not in the age of climate change. So get ready. But first, Marianne and I have some catching up to do. How are you doing? Well, Anna Jane, first, I am so excited about our series that we're going to be getting to in a little bit, but I will admit to you, my life has been a little bit crazy and I, it's, uh, we've been having a teacher strike here in West Virginia, which I fully support. Our teachers are some of the lowest paid in the nation. They hadn't had a raise in six years. They got offered this paltry little sum from the, the governor and the legislature. And so they went on strike and I fully support them. And it has also, uh, ironically, made it hard for us to record this episode about having kids because I have had my kid <laughs> in my office all day, every day, you know, uh, watching YouTube until her eyes pop out of her head. So I'm super happy for the teachers. I um, They have gotten a bigger raise, which is one of the things they were asking for. And I'm super proud of them, you know, teaching my daughter a lesson about standing what up for what you believe in. I think the the kids down in Florida at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas are also uh, giving our kids a powerful lesson in standing up for what you believe in. Um, and the irony is that uh, having a kid has interfered with my ability to record a podcast about <laughs> kids <laughs> in the age of climate change. So welcome to hashtag mom life. Well, that sounds incredible. And I can't, I can't wait to dive in a little later. But what about you? You've been like out and about living the fun life of a person without a child, <laughs> as far as I could tell from Instagram. Um, I have, yeah, I have been definitely traveling a lot. I just got back from a trip to New York. I was up there for, uh, I think three weeks, um, meeting with a bunch of people and doing some work and also made it out to Colorado in January, which I was out, th out there. I'm actually working on a memoir project and my co-writer lives in Colorado so cool. I know. I'm, so that is so it's cool. It's very beginning stages. Who knows where it will go, but it is cool. I really believe that that women should be telling more stories and I'm I'm holding myself to, to be accountable to that. 
to that value and ideal and can't wait to read your book one day. I think personal stories are a really interesting way of talking about climate change. So I'm happy to use mine if people find it interesting. <laughs> and yours in particular, you know, I, you're, I know I see all the time on social media how much your your life and your choices and your grappling with uh, uh, living in a, a Trump world and a Trump family as a climate activist is something that moves a lot of people. And so kudos to you. And uh, I'm just so excited that you're doing it. Super, super proud of you. Oh, thank you. Well, we'll see where it goes. But it's it's also just really therapeutic to write. <laughs> so I'm enjoying that. <laughs> but the other really exciting thing that I did in Colorado was get some skiing in. I've been skiing since I was a little girl. It is I'm not like the most risk taking of people, especially when it comes to like physical potential injury. Um, so skiing is one of the only like more adventure sports that I've been doing since I was a little girl and feel pretty good about and and just absolutely like love. There are like few feelings that I love more than being on like a good day of powder on a ski slope out West. Like it's just, it's a magical, awe-inspiring experience. So I was, and I actually hadn't been for like five years. <laughs> so it was really, really great. But it, it got me thinking a lot, especially with the Winter Olympics happening recently, just about, you know, winter sports and climate change. And while I was there, like luckily, because the gods graced me for, for some blessed reason, uh, the, the week I was there, we had 18 inches of snow. So I actually got some incredible uh, skiing in at Steamboat. Shout out to Steamboat. Um, but prior to that, they had had one of the worst snow years. So up until like early to mid-January, their snow year had been, I think, the worst in like 20 or 30 years. This season, the ski slopes out in Colorado are expected to lose millions of dollars, you know, so it's definitely an economic <laughs> problem as well that they're already experiencing. Um, and it really hit me. I mean, it hit me because I don't know. I have so many like positive associations. I know it's like a, a Western problem to have, like the idea of my grandkids or kids, theoretically, my theoretical grandkids or kids not being able to ski. But it's crazy, like how how they're already seeing it. Like one of um, the, the guys I started Googling it when I got home because I was obviously, um, you know, intrigued. But one of the the vice president of sustainability at Aspen, you know, said this is the weather and climate we fear. It's already here. And many ski resorts in the U.S. are expected to see the length of their season cut in half by 2050, by more than in more by more than 80 percent by 2090, which is insane. Like that's a whole way of life um, that is just fundamentally shifting, and it makes me sad on a heart level because it's it's been a very meaningful part of my life. <laughs> I can imagine people thinking, "Oh well, you know, so what? You have to give up skiing." get over it. You know, it's, uh, not everybody gets to go skiing and, you know, two things about that. One, I think if the snow is not falling, uh, that's the same snow that's replenishing the drinking water of people, especially across the West in places like California and lots of other more arid, uh, Western States. Um, but also, you know, you mentioned this is an issue in the West. It's also a big issue in the Northeast. And, you know, these are the things that make us human, I think, are these uh, beloved, whether it's camping or skiing or, uh, you know, getting your inner tube out on a river. Um, these connections that we have to the natural world are the things that bring families together. And for a huge part of this country, skiing is one of those really special traditions passed down from family to family. And so, and it's a huge, as you mentioned, huge economic engine for, for big parts of the country. So I just, um, 
Like when I think about it, my daughter growing up in a world without snow days, even much less the opportunity to learn how to ski, sort of what, what right did I have? Uh, what right does our generation have to take that away potentially forever for the next generation of kids and families? So it's, uh, it brings it home, I think, and, and might also bring it home for people in a way that otherwise might think clim- climate change is some faraway abstract thing that's never going to affect them. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly affecting Colorado. And there's a great organization working on this if folks are interested. It's called Protect Our Winters. And I um, I remember I was uh, I was testifying at an EPA hearing years ago. And the guy in front of me was a what was the the one of their activists. Um, and I just I just sat there and cried at his testify testimony because it did really bring it home for me. Like I just you know like it's so sad to me to think that that this there's you know future generations won't have snow days um, and be able to to ski if if that's part of their family tradition. Um, but also it does really impact these huge problems like water, which is a really big problem in Colorado right now for that very reason. So um, so yeah, if you love snow days and also you know things like water. Make sure that you you speak up to your your friends and family and also your elected officials. This is well, and you know we've all been watching the Olympics, and I think every one of us has like an inner snowboarder or an inner like alpine skier in them right now, or like an inner figure skater. It's like you know maybe that could have been me. So um, <laughs> yeah. you know just think of that's just like so many incredible athletes, and and that the Olympics really brought the world together. Um, and uh, so, yes, we need, we need folks to speak up and get involved and protect our winners is, is one great place to start. If you, if you don't know where to start. All right. Well, we have a big conversation coming up. Are you ready to dive in? I am so ready. Let's do it right after this. Hi, my name is Lon, and I live in New Orleans, Louisiana. Here's your dinner party climate fact of the day. Research published last month from the University of Waterloo found that only 8 of 21 previous Winter Olympics hosts would be able to do so again by the year 2100 without urgent action to address climate change. Who dat? Go Saints! This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right. So Anna Jane, we had this idea for a series about really diving into whether our personal choices matter. And I will say at the outset, I will show my cards here that I have a view when it comes to our personal choices on climate change. Personally, I think people are a little bit too hard on themselves. I think we spend a lot of time kind of agonizing over our personal choices and policing other people's personal choices and our personal choices matter for a lot of reasons, but I think sometimes we're we're almost focused on them at the expense of focusing on policy and political change. And I think it's kind of a symptom of kind of being in a individualistic culture and 
capitalist society and a consumer culture. So like our personal choices do matter for a bunch of reasons, but I also think sometimes we agonize over it too much. And so we wanted to just dive into that, recognizing these can be touchy subjects and uh, to put icing on the cake, we thought we would just start with one of the <laughs> one of the touchiest of them all, which is whether to have kids. Um, and I just want to say before we get into it, a huge caveat, like with a neon sign and underscore bold italic, we believe in the freedom of every person to make their own choices about their own family, especially women. And uh, in no way are we jumping on the kind of xenophobic, problematic bandwagon that... Uh, unfortunately has some uh, history in the environmental movement around population. That is not what this is about. Um, And we certainly celebrate anyone's choices that you're making around your family. But people are really wrestling with this and in a really big way. And we wanted to talk about it because it's something that is profoundly affecting people's uh, choices about what kind of lives they live and what kind of families they want to have. And Anna Jane, I know that... um, yeah, even true for yeah, you, it right? is is true for me. So I'm 33. I just had a birthday, and uh, these are conversations that me and my my husband are having right now. Um, so, so yeah, it's a really timely conversation. I it's one that a lot of people do wrestle with, but it's not one that we talk about as much because it is um, like you know having kids is like the most primal part of being a human and an animal even <laughs> and so I, it is a very touchy subject but I don't know I'm, I'm, I think it's a really really important one it's one I've been thinking about a lot and I was so there was an article in the New York Times recently about this very subject that was so compelling and also scary I had like five people send it to me <laughs> um, and it was it was really fascinating because it kind of profiled this group of people um, or different, you know, kind of different people who are all wrestling with this question. So some were choosing not to have children because of climate change. Some were choosing to only have one children, uh, one child. Um, some were choosing to adopt rather than have children. And there was even one story about a woman who had um, had a, a kind of an unplanned pregnancy and decided that you know she wanted to keep her, the child. And then, um, then she immediately had another kid because her reasoning was like, well, I'm not going to be around forever. And I don't want my kid to be facing the apocalypse alone. <laughs> so pretty like heavy, heavy stuff that people are, and these weren't climate activists, you know, these were everyday people. They were from all different faith backgrounds, from all different professions. So it was pretty, pretty striking. And I do think it is and there's still kind of there's kind of two components, right? There's like the environmental impact of having children, um, and there was this this research project or new research that came out last summer that pointed out that as far as impact goes, having one less child is actually the least carbon intensive thing you can do. <laughs> so it's of all the potential personal choices you can make to to decrease your carbon footprint, having one less child is the is the biggest one. So yeah, so it is, you know, I think obviously thinking about your carbon footprint impact is important. It's kind of crazy to do it in the context of like whether or not I should have kids or how many kids should I have. Um, but I don't know, for me, it's it's less, and I, because I really agree with you that, you know, while our personal choices matter on kind of a, a spiritual level and collectively they all add up, um, you know, it really is this like wide scale political and, and systematic change that's going to going to, you know, fundamentally shift this, you know, how we answer this problem and personal choices are important, but it's the political action, the civic engagement that, that is priority for me as well. I will just say having had a kid, I have one daughter, she's a second grader that 
becoming a mother, and I'm sure all the parents out there, many of the parents out there can uh, will will relate to this. It's the single most profound experience I've had in my life was giving birth, becoming a mother, watching this incredible little person uh, grow up in my house and kind of re-experiencing childhood through her. And so personally, I would hate for anyone to who wants to have that experience to deprive themselves of that experience because they think uh, they, they they can't do that because they're going to hurt the planet. That's just my where I'm coming from personally. I totally respect anybody's decisions not to have kids. Um, but the thing that even for me about what you're saying in the New York Times article that was even more unsettling was the fact that people are so fearful of, of the kind of world they're going to bring their kids into that they don't want to have kids because they think the world is going to be too scary and dangerous. And I just, um, you know, again, as a person who has had this profound experience of becoming a mom, uh, you know, the idea that there's a whole generation that includes you, Anna Jane, that we basically are putting this fear into the they can't bring another they they can't personally have that experience oh my god that is just yeah. heartbreaking to me that's just heartbreaking it seems like a more yeah i mean i failure. for me like I, it isn't the environmental impact i'm going to show my my selfish cards there that really worries me it is the the world we would bring be bringing our children like that's what keeps me up at night thinking about this question and whether or not we should have kids i just really struggle you know i there's this new tool that we can put in the the show notes that lets you calculate like where, you know, the different kind of temperature increases, like high, medium and low based on where your kids, your kids lifetime, essentially. And I was looking at it the other day for like, if I had a kid this year, and it was it was scary um, to think about, you know, where where we're likely headed. And, and I really hope that we we pull it together. And there's amazing work being done to do that beyond coal and so many other efforts. But you know, the when you look at the science and, and hear what the scientists are saying, it it feels very unsettling to me. Even, you know, even now it's like, I've been wearing a bathing suit in February for the past three days. That's a very unusual thing. And, you know, the, the uh, cherry blossoms are blooming in, in 20 days early in DC. And, and, you know, we've already had so many crazy storms. I'm even thinking about this summer, like we could have, if we get hit head on, like some of the storms we had last summer, which did, didn't hit us head on, but like we could lose our home, you know, <laughs> like that's a real possibility. And so the idea of bringing a child into that, into that world that's where that, you know, no matter how we cut it, it's, it's looking like it's going to be getting more and more difficult, hopefully less bad <laughs> than the kind of high, high estimates, but it's really, really scary to me. And I hate that because I don't want to make decisions about my life based on fear. And also I had, it's, you know, ironic. I was actually talking to my parents the other day who my dad in particular, when he had us genuinely believed that they were heading into the end times, the apocalypse. So I just have to ask you about this because I was just thinking about your parents and your gen this generation of people who are hoping to become grandparents who are like parents of millennials. Um, and I wonder how this is hitting them because, you know, I mean, 2030 is this year we've always had in our mind for climate, you know, deadlines and, you know, we need to reduce our emissions by 2030. And the, I think this year, the graduating class of 2030 started kindergarten. Uh, it's either this year or last year. And so 2030 is all of a sudden not some far distant date in the future. It's the graduating class of people's children and grandchildren. And so I was thinking about, like, is that at all for, for your parents? And I wonder about other people of that generation rattling them of, oh, wow, my kids are so 
worried about this. They're thinking of not having kids and I wouldn't become a grandparent. And is that in any way breaking through or, um, after, after the election, I kind of tweeted out that, uh, you know, to to my parents, like, sorry, no grandkids. I was obviously pretty angry (laughs) in that moment, but there was something (laughs) obviously just, just a little bit, (laughs) but you know, I was, there's something very sincere about it, you know, like until I can see that we are not going to be headed in the direction that Trump is taking us in. Um, I, you know, on, on climate, you know, because of the lasting impacts of that issue is the number one issue for me, but you know, like I don't, I don't feel comfortable bringing children into this world in the, in this circumstance. And I think, I think that that does really, I know my mother is just like, it comes up all the time in our conversation. And, you know, it's funny, my cousin, who's my age, who were very close friends had a very similar response. Um, and she really wanted kids, but at first she was like, no way, not having kids in this circumstance. And her and her husband made the, the opposite decision. They, they decided they, you know, after a couple of months of stewing, <laughs> decided that they weren't going to let Trump make their reproductive decisions <laughs> and that they were going to bring a child into this world and, and really chose the hopeful route. And it's hard. And he's so uh, he's an absolutely amazing baby and child. And they're so happy. And there's a part of me that wants that, you know, like that would love that experience. And that, you know, Forrest, my husband, would be an incredible father. But I don't know. I just I haven't got there. And, and to be honest, like, and I think this is true for a lot of people. It's not, I never really was one of those women who was like, I have to have a kid. Like I've always been very career driven. I've always wanted to, you know, kind of birth other creative projects, like writing this book or even working on this podcast, you know, like those are the things that, that I've, I felt the most drawn to, but it is, you know, and then, and then there's other factors too, you know, like financially, like I'm, I'm consulting right now. I can't really afford to take a year off of work or even six months off of work. Um, the time commitment is is a big thing for me. And, you know, so I, I think that there is, there's a lot of different components that are playing into that decision. But now that I am 33 and I'm looking at the next few years, kind of like this, you know, we there's only a window here where this is an option. I think yeah. that it, it is hitting me in a more personal way. Like I, you know, I wrote that, I read that New York Times article and just cried. And I think that, I think that most of all, whether or not I decide to have a kid, it just really makes me sad and mad that this is weighing into my decision. I know. I want to hug you. <laughs> I want to, I want to just give you a hug right now because I, cause I, it makes me really angry that it is right. It's like, it is a hard enough decision as you're saying with, uh, the financial commitment and just the responsibility and to then think, oh, and maybe my, I'm going to be raising them into like this apocalypse, post-apocalyptic Mad Max hunger games, <laughs> like whatever the nightmare scenarios we have for ourselves of this world thrown into climate chaos is, uh, it's not fair. Right. And, and it's not, it's not necessary either. Cause we know we have, we have the technology to fix this. We have the, like, you know, we have everything we need, uh, and we just have political opponents in the way. But, you know, the thing I will say on the other side of having had a kid and, you know, the whole time I have been a mom, I have had a high pressure job and I've had a lot of responsibility and, um, and you just figure it out. You know, you just, you just make it work because all of a sudden it's the, you know, the center of your world. And, uh, you know, just like anything else you love, you just figure it out and you make it work. But, um, it's also an incredible act of faith in the future. And you you mentioned your, your cousins and their, their new little baby uh, and how they had made that decision that, you know what, we're not going to let this fear stand in the way of, of, uh, of, of 
bringing a little baby into the world. And I do feel like at some level, it's almost the ultimate act of faith that we can actually fix this and and we can solve it, or we can at least correct it to some degree before, before it's too late. Uh, and for all I know, Hazel is going to grow up to be an incredible climate activist or incredible social justice activist or create some sort of work of art that's going to like yeah. change people's hearts. You know, who knows what contributions she's going to make to the world, but she, she could, she could help heal the way, uh, in heal the world in a way that I can't even imagine. Um, and in the meanwhile, I am now invested in solving this problem in a way that I wasn't before. Cause it's not just about me. It's about somebody whose life I value more than my own life. And, and so I'm now invested in solving this problem in, uh, in a way that is like, has this sort of fierceness and determination that I didn't have before I became a mom. So, um, and you know, I will say, I mean, you can have as, everybody should have as many kids as they want. I can tell you, uh, I grew up with a sibling, but just raising an only child, uh, it, it has some upsides and <laughs> you could just have one and, and they, I promise won't grow up, you know, to yeah. be, um, some sort of maladjusted kid. Cause you didn't then go on and have four more kids. So there is the, always the one child path. As yeah, well. but, uh, again, it's everybody's personal choice, but I'm just, uh, it makes me deeply sad and, and angry that you're brought to tears by the prospect of the world your little baby might grow up in because it's not we just shouldn't be in this place but here we are no it's it really makes me angry <laughs> that we're that this is yeah that this is a part of the conversation like there was a woman who was being interviewed who was just like what kind of nightmare question is this that we even have to entertain it and i think that that is mostly like what and does like drive me to want to engage more politically because i'm i am angry at the politicians and you know, even, you know, my parents to some degree who have put us in this situation where I am not having to make these very hard personal decisions as a result. Um, and I think, you know, I love the idea of like having, you know, children being seeds of hope. I, I really love children. Like I love seeing the world through, through kids' eyes. I think it would be an amazingly profound experience. But I don't know, you know, my parents who are conservative evangelicals ended up with five, you know, liberal activists, artists, hippies. <laughs> so I also know firsthand that you can't have children for who you hope they they become, you know, like they're they're their own people in the world. And I wouldn't I don't know, I I, I struggle. I, I I struggle I had a lot of friends who have who have kind of said that, like, we're gonna raise our children to be activists and help solve the problem. And it's like, first of all, you don't know what you're gonna get. But also, like, I want my kids to be whoever they want to be in the world. And and I don't I don't want to I don't know. And Hazel is undoubtedly going to change this world. You can see that already. <laughs> so you ended up I think, with, a, with a, an amazing gem of, of a child. But I could end up with a crazy one. <laughs> and who's who's to say we all aren't at some level? <laughs> <laughs> that is a true but, story. Uh, yeah. You know, I think what kind of a nightmare question is this is, um, maybe a great way to start wrapping this up. I'll just say to close that, you know, do do our personal choices matter? Um, and maybe we could close with this, Anna Jane. I'd love to know what you think um, is like, and I said this at the top, I do feel like we get, we like get overly obsessed about, you know, plastic bags or, you know, whatever, you know, personal sort of policing our own and our personal choices. Again, like almost at the it's not that it's at the expense of trying to change policy, but it's that we, we as a culture put so much energy into this feeling of like, we're policing our personal choices, um, that it's like relatively less, a lot less bandwidth focused on, um, policies and who's making those decisions. And, uh, 
and so I, it's, I guess I kind of, I just want to challenge a little bit of, uh, as we're thinking about these personal choices that it, it is, of course, collective action matters. Of course, if everybody stopped using plastic bags and plastic bottles, that would be a good thing. And I'm not arguing with that, but I'm also, I guess just uh, encouraging folks to be gentle with themselves and with one another. And also, you know, thinking about these personal choices to me, it's as much, it's as much about sort of how you want, it's like almost more of a moral and spiritual orientation of like, how do you want to walk through this world? And what kind of an experience do you want to have in, in just thinking about what you use and what kind of a presence you are um, that I, I feel like that's as much honestly of sort of a personal moral, moral and spiritual orientation, which has its own rewards. I think it, that, you know, that's why Gandhi uh, had all of his great quotes about being the change you wish to see in the world. It has, it has deeper profound implications for you, which then affects how you show up in the world, but also be easy on yourselves about policing every time you don't take a bag to the grocery store and especially be easy on yourselves about these big decisions about whether to have kids. It's, it's okay. <laughs> well, thank you. I, that gives me a lot of solace. And I think you, you put it beautifully. Like it really, for me, it's about like, who do I want to be in this world? How do I want to show up? And I know that when I'm more aligned spiritually, kind of morally with my values, then I tend to be a better activist in how I engage in the civic, civic realm and political realm as well. So these are big questions, but I'm glad to be talking about them with you. Yes. And hopefully with our listeners, we'd love to, we'd love to hear from you and hear, have you weigh in on this. Definitely. So. All right, Anna Jane. Well, this has been, uh, this has been a pleasure and we are going to uh, have another episode. Do we have a topic for that one yet? We are going to be talking about food next. Another hot topic. So stay tuned and thanks everyone for listening to Anna Jane. This has been great. I love you. If you do have a kid, you're going to be the greatest mom. <laughs> Thank you. All right, y'all, that just about does it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and thanks also to the great band River Flyless for our theme music. And thank you to our sponsor, the Sierra Club. This episode was produced by podcaster extraordinaire Zach Mack, who thinks the idea of having kids sounds fun and rewarding, but is also incredibly daunted by the financial and time commitments, along with the feeling that it's probably environmentally irresponsible. You're not alone, Zach. It's okay. We're here for you. Uh, y'all subscribe to us on iTunes, please. And leave us a review there and, and let your friends know about it because, uh, leaving that review on iTunes is what helps other people find the show. So if you could do one thing for us, uh, that would be it. And we'd be so grateful. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be posting all episodes and updates about future episodes on our Twitter page at NPLH podcast. So be sure to follow us there. And if you like our show, if you have questions, if you would like to read a dinner party climate fact for the show, we would love that. So please tweet at us. Again, we are at NPLH podcast. We read all your tweets and we love hearing from you. And remember, there's no place like home. <laughs>